We meet today in Psalm chapter 2, Psalm chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 12. We see the drama of the ages, basically man's rebellion against God. A noticeable feature in the book of Psalm is the systematic arrangement of the Psalms. The first Psalm presents the perfect man, the happy man. Now, in contrast to the perfect man, the blessed man of Psalm 1, we see the rebellious man in Psalm 2. We call this the Genesis section of the book of Psalms, and the parallel is actually striking. Genesis begins with the perfect man, the happy man in the Garden of Eden. But that happy man became the rebellious man who ran away from God, who was no longer seeking God who had no capacity for him. Now here in Psalm 2, we find the children of Adam, many kind. Psalm 2 has been called the drama of the ages. It contains a decisive declaration concerning the outcome of events and forces that are in the world today. This psalm is divided more like a television program than a play. It is presented as if there was a camera on earth and there was also one in heaven. Let us look at the camera on earth that is focusing on many kind. And let us watch this presentation. First, the camera on earth comes on and we see many kind. Many kind is put before us here in the first verse of Psalm chapter 2. Psalm chapter 2 verse 1. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? Now it begins, why do the nations rage? And the, na the word nations here is actually translated Gentiles and the peoples, Jews, all of them are plotting a vain thing. The word vain here means empty. It means that this which has so enraged the Gentiles and which has also brought together many kind in a great mass movement, a great protest movement that will never be fulfilled. It will never be accomplished. It is an empty or vain endeavor. It is an empty, futile thing that has brought many kind together. The nature of sin today is to defy God and the strong tendency of people in power is to stay in power by any means possible, even if it means defying God to do so. Thus, the rulers of the world often conspire together against the Lord. That is an accurate description of the state of affairs in the world. Political leaders would even stay in power, even if it means they defy God. And so the question comes, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? But what these leaders fail to realize is that the Lord's anointed is king and lord over all the nations of the world, including their own. God has given him the nations as an inheritance. And that's what verse 8 of this chapter will show us as we continue studying this passage. God is sovereign even over nations that rage against him. The psalmist realized that 
his own country was just a part of God's international reign. Do we understand the same truth about our own nations and governments? Well, what is it? Psalm 2 verse 2. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying... You see here, the kings of the earth, they are the ones who set themselves. It is referring to all political rulers and the rulers who take counsel together. They are also religious rulers. Not only do they have the masses of many kind in their protest movement, but also the establishment has joined in with it. Here, the rulers, both religious and political, join hands together. Now, what is it that they are protesting? Whom are they against? The word of God says, against the Lord and against his anointed. The word anointed here means Messiah. That is what it is in Hebrew. When the word is brought over in the Greek New Testament, it is Christos. And in English, it is Christ. Here is a great worldwide movement that is against God and against Christ. Don't we see it happening? Even in nations where Christians are being persecuted for standing for Christ. Acts 4 verse 24 to verse 25. Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? Now, as you can see, the apostles here were quoting Psalm 2. The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Acts 4 verse 26. Now this is the Holy Spirit's interpretation. Acts 4 verse 27. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, were gathered together. Here is this movement beginning. We are told by the Holy Spirit back there when Pilate joined up with the religious rulers and Herod in order to put Jesus to death. This is a movement against God and against Christ. It has been snowballing as it has come down through the centuries, and it will break out finally in a worldwide revolution against God and against Christ. And that will also be against the Anointed One, Christ Jesus. We will see this even in the battle of the Armageddon. Now when you get to the time of David, you meet atheists, people who do, who claimed not to believe in God. And there were many atheists by that time. David labels them though. He says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Psalm 14 verse 1. You see, the word fool in the Hebrew means insane. The insane, the not individual is the one who is the atheist. Of course, he may be actually someone with a doctorate degree from a university. He has a PhD in a university. The Bible says, even to that person, he is insane. It is insane for a man to say that 
there is no God. Psalm 2 verse 3. Let us break their bones in pieces and cast away their cords from us. Now, what are some of the bones God has put on the human family? Well, marriage is one of them. You see, when all these religious and political leaders are gathering up together, they are saying, let us break the bones in pieces and cast away the cords. And one of them, which is under great threat, is marriage. God has made marriage for the welfare of many kind. But have you seen how people are destroying the marriage bones and the laws regarding marriage? Whether you are a Christian or not, Christ has given marriage to many kind. It is disturbing as we look at this world in which we are living. In the political world, there is confusion. In the moral realm, there is corruption. In the spiritual sphere, there is compromise and indifference. And in the social sphere, there is comfort. We are living in that kind of a day. And it is very disturbing when the very fibers that were to put and keep the society together are being threatened. And rulers and world people of influence are putting their hands together and joining in to come against the cause that bind us together. Well, this is the camera that was focusing actually on human beings and that is on the earth. But let us also look at the camera that is focusing on God the Father. The question arises, how does God feel about what the world is doing? How does God feel about this conspiring of the world rulers together? Psalm 2 verse 4. He who sits in the heaven shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. What a word. Psalm 2 here is sending a similar message to that of Romans 13, which affirms the institutional government by asserting that there is no authority except that which is from God. Psalm 2 describes how far-reaching are the implications of this truth by showing that even raging nations and rebellious kings must answer to God, the great king who reigns from Jerusalem through his appointed and anointed servant. All governmental power is derived and delegated power. Ultimately, it comes from God. Human governments are visible institutions and political agents that are accountable to and limited by God. Now, this encourages political leaders to bow their knee in humble worship of the Lord and serve him with fear. In the spirit of this psalm, they can even show respect to God who has placed them in authority and stands ready to help them govern with goodness and justice. But if they will conspire and even plot in vain, God's response is that he who sits in the heaven shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Psalm 2 verse 5. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. What effect will men's opposition have upon God's program? Well, God is going forward to accomplish his purposes. 
what little man does down here on earth won't deter him, won't deter him, or even defer him at all. God did not read something in the morning today, in the morning newspaper, that he didn't know already. All of us will get surprised when we get the newspaper or even listen to the news. There is no breaking of news with God. He already knows. There is nothing that has surprised him at all. He is moving according to his purpose. And I believe that God has a twofold purpose in this world. He has a heavenly purpose and he has an earthly purpose. Right now, he is working on his heavenly purpose. And the writer of the Hebrews expresses this. It is bringing many sons to glory. Hebrews 2 verse 10. God today is calling out of this world a people to his name. That is his present purpose. However, God has another purpose and it is stated here. Psalm 2 verse 6. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. The holy hill of Zion here, referred to 40 times in the psalm, is a symbolic name for Jerusalem, from which God will rule the world through his appointed king. And that is even shown in Psalm 48, verse 1 and verse 2, in Isaiah 2, verse 2 and verse 3. That is shown, by the way, by God's grace, I was able to walk on Mount Zion, that place. And even when this is talking about, you can almost visualize what God talks about. By the way, he even said of Jerusalem, the walls that are there, Jerusalem will no longer be a fortified city for the Lord himself will be a hedge around Jerusalem. So the name Zion also implies God's it belongs to God. It was originally a Canaanite city conquered by David, and David ruled from Zion. Second Samuel chapter 5 verse 7 even shows these things. Now, we are looking at the camera that is focusing on God the Father. But let us also use the same camera to focus on God the Son. We are still in heaven. Now the camera in heaven shifts to God the Son on his right hand. God the Son speaks. I will declare the decree. Psalm 2 verse 7. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. This strong affirmation of the divinity and eternal sonship of the Lord Jesus is quoted by Paul at Antioch of Pisidia with reference to the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. We find this in Acts 13 verse 33. The verse is quoted twice by the author of Hebrews in Hebrews 1 verse 5 and 5 verse 5. The reference in the second psalm is not to the birth of Jesus. He never was begotten in the sense of having a beginning. No. Rather, this is in reference to his resurrection. Christ was begotten out of Joseph's tomb. Jesus is the eternal Son of God, and God is the eternal Father. 
You cannot have an eternal father without having an eternal son. They were this throughout eternity. This is their position in the Trinity. It hasn't anything to do with someone being born, but it does have something to do with someone being begotten from the dead. It has to do with the resurrection. And God the Father continues. Psalm 2, verse 8. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Now, the scepter of this universe will be held by a man with nail-pierced hands. He is the one who is yet to rule. Notice the next verse, the verse that follows it. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Psalm 2, verse 9. Now, my friend, do you think this is the gospel of the grace of God we are to preach today? It is not. This passage hasn't any reference to Christ's first coming. This speaks of his second coming when he comes to this earth to judge. And of course, when he comes at that time, he says, you shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a porter's vessel. This is the way he will come the second time to judge the earth. He has not asked me to apologize for him, so I won't apologize. He says that he intends to come to this little planet Earth and put down the rebellion that has broken out, and he will break them with the rod of iron. Maybe you don't like that. Well, you take it up with him. He said it, and he is going to do it just that way someday. Remember, it began with the questions, why do the nations rage? Why do the peoples plot in vain against the anointed? And he will judge at a certain time. At the moment, we have the good news, my friend. The door is open for you to enter through that door of salvation. The grace of God is extending to you. But when that time comes, he intends to put down the rebellion when he comes to this earth the next time. You and I are living in a world that is moving toward judgment day and God is going to judge. Oh, not only does the camera uh, focus on God the Father and God the Son, but the camera also moves to God the Holy Spirit. The camera in heaven goes off. The camera on earth comes on. Now God the Holy Spirit speaks. Psalm 2, verse 10 and verse 11. Now therefore be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. God in the history of this world has always gotten a message to the rulers of this world. Always, no exception, down there in the land of ancient Egypt, there was a pharaoh on the throne, and there was a boy Joseph in prison. God kept him in prison so that at the right time, at the right moment, he would bring him out to make him the prime minister of Pharaoh at one of the most crucial periods in the history of the world. That is the way God does it. Down there, when the first great world power Babylon 
came into existence, God put the young man Daniel at the side of Nebuchadnezzar. He not only became his prime minister, but also he brought him to a saving knowledge of the living God. And God kept him there until Cyrus the Persian came to the throne. And Cyrus even made his decree in the name of the living God. Napoleon said that he was a man of destiny, that he was told God had raised him up. Now it is interesting how God has gotten his word to the rulers of this earth and to those who are in high places. Now the rulers of this world, those in authority, when God is speaking to you, do not resist and God will always find a way to bring his word to you. God the Holy Spirit says to the rulers, Save the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. That is a wonderful message to take heed of. You who are in high places, you rulers of the nations. Listen to what he says again. He also says, Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Psalm 2, verse 12. Now here, kiss the son means do homage to the son. Do you remember who kissed him? Have you ever noted what our Lord Jesus said to Judas after he kissed him? When Judas led the mob out to apprehend Jesus in the garden, he said, I will identify him for you by kissing him. So he came to Jesus and kissed him. Have you noticed what Jesus said to him? Matthew 26 verse 50. But Jesus said to him, Friend, why have you come? Why did he say that? Didn't he know why Judas had kissed him? Of course he did. Then why did he call him friend? What did he mean? Now let me suggest this. Judas, you have just kissed me, which has fulfilled prophecy and has satisfied all the theologians who are going to come along. Now you are free to turn and accept me, free to turn that kiss of betrayal into a kiss of acceptance. You can do that, Judas. You are a free moral agent. And the Spirit of God says, kiss the Son. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. This is a wonderful message going to the rulers of the world, the princes, the judges, even though they conspired against the Son of God. The door is still open and you are being invited. Kiss the Son. You can turn around. My friend, the Spirit of God today is in the world saying to mankind, kiss the Son before it is too late. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ before it is too late. He is coming someday and is going to establish his kingdom here upon the earth. He is going to rule and he is going to put down all rebellion. He will bring peace and harmony to this little earth. And that is hope, my friend. Today, you and I live in a world where every man is tooting his own little horn. Every little group wants to be heard. Everybody wants to tell you what he thinks. Everybody is playing his own little fiddle. And I want to tell you, 
it's a medley of discord. Everything is out of tune. But one of these days, the spotlight is going on, and the Lord Jesus Christ will come again. When he comes to this universe, he is going to lift his scepter, and everything that is out of tune with him is going to be removed. Then when he comes down with that scepter, oh, the harmony that will be in this universe. I'm thankful today that I do live in a universe where I can bow to him and I can bring this little instrument of my body, my life, into tune with him. I can bow to him. I can acknowledge him. I can make him my Leo, my Savior, and my Lord. Is he your Savior and your Lord? The door is wide open. His arms are wide open, stretched out, saying, Come home. My child. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send an email to info at twrafrica.org. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me repeat that email address for you. Info at twrafrica.org